This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll look at the ongoing impacts of the pandemic on workplaces that persist despite the lifting of many COVID-19 health orders and restrictions across the country. The focus of the discussion will include the COVID boom of remote and hybrid working arrangements. We'll look at how these contemporary work practices are impacting employer diversity and inclusion strategies. Specifically, we'll look at the benefits to diversity and inclusion from hybrid and remote work, the challenges in managing inclusive online interactions and how employers can design inclusive reward and recognition initiatives that accommodate different ways of working. I'm Tony Melville and joining us is Nicola Street, National Manager, Workplace Relations Policy at the Australian Industry Group. Hi, Nicola. Hi, Tony. Great to be here. Yes. Nicola is an industrial and employment lawyer who works on formulating public policy responses to support productive and contemporary workplaces for Australian industry. And she's a specialist in all these issues. This podcast is provided with the support of the Commonwealth Government, represented by the Fair Work Ombudsman. It does not con constitute legal advice and should not be relied on as such, but rather we'll be discussing some general issues and base principles for employers to consider as part of their workforce planning. Okay, so we're all working remotely. You're working, you're working in Sydney. I'm now in Canberra. This is something very common. Um, what is the upside? Yeah, that's right. Tony, it's, it's, uh, we've seen some really you know, significant benefits from remote working, which we know is, is going to be here to stay, to stay in some capacity. Uh, for for many workplaces, and we've released earlier podcasts about the the pros and cons of remote working as well. But in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion strategies, uh, it does open up quite a lot of opportunity for employers to revisit, for example, uh, how they uh, hire and promote different groups of people. So we know, and it's been fairly well established now that um, that. Uh, people who have worked remotely are able to more easily combine uh, care and commitments, whether that's uh, pickups and drop-offs um, with young children, or it may be someone has uh, is managing a disability or a medical condition. Uh, it means that they can have time at home to manage that uh, and then five days a week. So for employers, it's looking at in a hybrid working model, if that's something that um, that that is in your organisation, and looking at the different groups that you may want to attract, particularly in a tight labour market as well. So it does really open you know the door for uh, not just diverse people from diverse backgrounds, but for employers and attracting a, a broader talent pool. And likewise for issues that, and opportunities for promotions or moving people up within an organisation. We're seeing that remote work has enabled people to, to engage in more senior positions, for example, without the need to be extensively on the road or traveling uh, on a regular basis, which may have uh, been a barrier to, to many people, particularly those who may have caring responsibilities or, or other issues and, and responsibilities in their life. So, um, so overall, it, it is good news on that area, Tony, and, and encouraging employers to think about it from a strategic lens as well. And, and in strategic plans and also how they advertise and recruit positions, because of course not everyone can remote work. A lot of many jobs can't be remotely done, but if you can remote work, it's a benefit as well and worth advertising. That's right. And how employers advertise for roles is, is really important. It's about what what networks are you reaching out to? How are you um, framing and crafting the the advert? 
uh, even phrases such as um, whether we're seeing more of, um, you know, everyone is um, encouraged to apply even if you don't think you, know, you uh, meet all the criteria because we know that there are certain groups more than others that self-select out uh, in as part of the recruitment process and employers can also miss out in, in, in those circumstances as well. So um, being you know, open that, that you're an inclusive employer that values equal employment opportunity, they all send the right signals in addition to remote working arrangements that can help attract a more diverse labour market coming, coming through to your organisation. If you are an employer and you want to have a more diverse workforce, are there community groups or organisations that can help you? Yeah, well, certainly there are a, a range of um, community networks uh, or recruitment groups that specialise in diverse recruitment. Uh, or can also mean like, um, you know, what channels are you using online as well. Um, there are some online channels that have a very far reach and quite effective, whereas others are a bit more mainstream and, and may target you know, a, a lab, part of the labour market that um, may not be interested or, or, or maybe a bit narrow for, for the business. So. So we do encourage businesses to think about um, how and where they recruit as part of um, their diversity strategies. Okay, so that's the upside. So yep. there's also obviously going to be some pitfalls in these contemporary working arrangements. So what, what are they? What are you seeing as impacts of these new hybrid working arrangements on organisational structures? Yeah, so we're seeing um, really obviously an increase in remote working and online interactions between individuals. So, and a reduction, I suppose, of face-to-face of -face interaction uh, within and across teams and organisations. And, and what that means, it does change the way how people interact with each other. Um, not just from a professional perspective, but also in terms of um, how you may engage with someone on an interpersonal basis. Uh, so unfortunately, what we have seen, the Human Rights Commission in Australia has reported a 25% increase in the number of workplace sexual harassment complaints in the last year. And we've also seen a, a similar trend down in, in Victoria reported by its equal employment opportunity. And so what that tells us is that whilst there may be more awareness about sexual harassment at work, it also means that when you're looking at a large number of employees working remotely or in hybrid format, that uh, some of this conduct is occurring online with a greater focus now on technology being used to facilitate um, misconduct, abuse and harassment to, to staff. So, so what could be behind that? I mean, you can sort of understand Christmas parties that these the sexual harassment would be peaking, but you're remote. How is it worse when you're remote from someone or online? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, Tony, because, yeah, we, we used to um, get a lot of, of be involved in a lot of matters that, that involved, you know, Christmas party or out-of-work out functions, um, harassment cases. Um, but now we're seeing... Things like um, social media being used more extensively, inappropriate comments said by, sent by a text or email, other online communications. Uh, we're seeing um, employees form groups um, on, you know, on, on platforms like um, uh, whether it's Snapchat or WhatsApp, uh, you know, where the employer may not necessarily have that visibility. And so we're seeing a lot of um, informal online interactions where employees are engaging socially with each other that may or may not be within the employer's knowledge, but it may in fact be using the employer's equipment. So we are encouraging employers to think about 
having a robust IT um, policy in place, having a robust, appropriate behaviour workplace policy in place, but also being aware of uh, workplace surveillance obligations as well, particularly in respect of notification obligations. And that's something that's regulated um, in, in many states and territories, but also uh, federally under the Privacy Act, um, assuming there are no exemptions that apply to you. Uh, so it's it's a growing area, not just here in Australia, but in the US, bit seen, we've seen a spike in cases of harassment generally based on sex, ethnicity, LGBTIQ identity, and, and that's something that employers over there have also had to grapple with. Uh, so it's really um, now getting employers to think about the inclusive aspect of how employees interact and what kind of culture is established um, through online platforms within a business. Well, I suppose it gets down to something simple, two simple things. One is that it's it's easier to to say something remotely on an email that it might be face to face to someone. So that that could encourage that type of behaviour, I guess. Um, there's also the dreaded reply all. And I, I know at AI Group, we got the IT involved in that so that people weren't accidentally saying something um, which 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 wouldn't necessarily be inappropriate, but but could be inappropriate. They might be commenting personally on someone who's made a has said something and then send it to all staff. So you can put barriers in there as well to protect your business and your employees. Yeah, that, that's right, Tony. And I think yeah, some of it may be unintentional uh, behaviour. Some of it may be you know very intentional. But it's really uh, encouraging employees to develop, uh, be aware of employer ground rules about this. What's expected. Uh, what is prohibited or not tolerated, and importantly, what's the process employees expect to um, to go through if, if there is an issue. Uh, and so yeah, these days now, it's not so much for employers just to have a policy. That's the bare minimum. Um, you need, employers need to move now to a more dynamic duty of, of um, preventing the risk and harm that may occur from employee interactions, including online interactions, whether they're intentionally offensive or not. So it's not you can't just sit and forget. That's right. Um, yes, the, the the days of setting and forgetting in a policy are, are, are very much over. We are going to see some um, potential upcoming changes through um, sexual harassment prevention, but also work health and safety in this area as well. So we are encouraging employers to to look beyond policies, although policies is obviously a key part of that internal infrastructure you need to establish prevention. Okay, and the final issue we're going to cover here is about performance evaluation. And, you know, employers, you know, if you're out of sight, you can be out of mind. And if you're perhaps more likely to be online or more likely to be face-to-face, -face, the face-to-face -face person may well get promoted more easily than the person who's never in the office or rarely in the office. What sort of strategies can you employ to make sure there's fairness there between people who are able to get in the office and those who aren't? Yeah, this is a real issue for companies who've adopted the hybrid working model and, and it may involve you know, different variations of that. It may not be an even spread across the organisation in terms of who's in the office on a certain number of days or you know, you may have employees who are not in at all as well. We're seeing certainly still many arrangements of that nature. So what it means is that for evaluating um, team performance or individual performance, it's taking into account how differently people may work now. And um, what we've seen in the past and, and may be a risk going forward is if you have team leaders, for example, who are in the office and are regularly seeing 
um, individuals who are able to come into the office on, a, on more days than, than others, where those individuals, you know, may be exposed more to information or conversations that may not be um, pursued through the formal communications channels through you know, through an organisation. So it's looking at um, being aware of any biases that may um, form as a result of regular face-to-face -face interaction, which is all normal as part of you know, relation relationship building. But when it comes to more objective evaluation, considering how people contribute online remotely, whether that's through how they engage um, in, in, in chat um, functions that may be relevant or participate in online meetings. Um, it's something that obviously will be different for every organisation, but it's being able to really update your performance um, appraisal process to account for the different ways that people may work in your workplace. Okay, so so I, I think we've covered all these important issues for today and for this podcast. So um, I'd just like to thank you. Thank Nicholas Street from AI Group. And if you've got any further questions, you can contact us at info at aigroup.com.au. Info at aigroup.com.au. Thanks a lot, Nicola. Great. Thanks for having me, Tony. And thank See you, everyone.